excited to introduce you. We are doing another five by seven. So this is our third one. We did one on Mother's Day, and the mothers just absolutely killed it. We did one on Father's Day, and the men were really good as well. So we're really excited to do one here today. We are gonna, it's, we're calling it the Young Communicators one with the young people in the church. So I was thinking about this. Uh, the, the people on stage represent, they either lead or are integral roles in eight different ministries in our church. Okay, so these people on stage are being leaders, and they are going before, especially your children, and, and they are investing in their lives, and they are pouring into them, and they are leading our next generation and other ministries in this church. So I am so excited for you guys to hear them speak. So I'm going to introduce them quick, and then I'm going to hand the mic off, and they're just going to take it for the next 35 minutes, and they're going to rock it. So with that said, first off, we have the most beautiful one up here. By, you know, just saying. Um, we have my wife, Haley Schwant. Uh, she's obviously married to me. Yes. Uh, we've been married for three years in December here. And uh, we don't have any kids yet. Um, and she's a high school math teacher at Burnett High School. And she's amazing at that. We've been in Spicewood for just over a year. And she's originally from Milton, Wisconsin, a small town in South Wisconsin. And the fun fact, this is weird for me to say this, but the fun fact is that she met her husband uh, on a blind prom date, and, and somehow it worked out. Um, she's a little crazy. Second, we have, we have Eric Harper. Uh, yes, Eric Harper is not married yet, but we're praying for his wife for sure. Um, he is the founder and the president of Resurrection Life. Uh, it's a ministry that he started. He's going over to be a missionary in Germany at the end of November. So we're praying for that, and we're, we're getting behind him and supporting him in that. He's been in the area for four years, and he's originally from Cottage Grove, Minnesota. And the fun fact is he saw right, side, right, right said Fred for perform at a halftime show in Berlin during the 2014 World Cup. So that's his fun fact. And then... We have Taylor Sheely. She's been married to Rick for eight years up here in the front row. Um, they have two beautiful children and a third on the way. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, she's a property manager and a preschool dance teacher um, and a mom. That's, that's a full-time job for sure. And she's been in the area for four years. Uh, she is uh, originally from South Padre Island, Texas. Uh, and here, her fun fact was she was an extra on the TV show Friday Night Lights. So that's pretty cool. Uh, then we have Hayden. We have Hayden. He's our worship pastor here at One Chapel Lake Travis. He is married to Annalise up here in the front row. Uh, they've been married for almost three years now. And uh, they've been in Spicewood for a couple years. And they have one beautiful daughter. And do you want me to say this other thing? It's on the sheet. Are you sure? <laughs> They have one on the way. Another one coming. Didn't know if it was public knowledge, but I saw it on the so, so that's really exciting for them. He's originally from Salisaw, Oklahoma. Uh, and his fun fact is he grew up riding horses and roping cattle for fun. So that's pretty cool. And last but not least, we have Chrissy Rockner. Her husband... Her husband, Josh, spoke on Father's Day, and he absolutely killed it. And Chrissy, is she's going to absolutely kill it today. I've already heard her message. It's going to be awesome. They don't have any kids yet. Um, she, is, she works in digital practice lead at Sense Corporation 
and she's been in the Spicewood area for two years, coming up in October, um, originally from League City, Texas. And her fun fact is that she's been hunting since she was nine years old, and since then she's hunted in four different continents, and she hopes to carry on the family legacy of big game hunting. So I just want to ask you all a favor. I want to ask you to bring as much energy as you can and as much support as you can for these, these five individuals. They don't speak very much, um, and some of them maybe have never speak at all, but they all have amazing, they've never even said a word. This is the first time. It's the first time they'll ever talk in their lives. So, but, but their testimonies are absolutely amazing. It's all about our vision statement here about how, how God wants us to move from where we are to where he wants us to be here at One Chapel. So it's going to be amazing. So give them a huge round of applause. And here goes Haley. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to start with a little story of mine. Uh, so about 14 months ago, we, uh, me and Logan were packing up all of our stuff. And um, so I was putting all my stuff into my car to drive down here with my mom and my stepdad, who are here today. Whoop, whoop. And, <laughs> and uh, next to me in the back seat was my pet rat, Hank. And he kept me company. Um, and, and we were going to this brand new place, right? We were driving 18 hours to a place that I've never visited before. I've never seen. I've never been, met anyone down here. And it was a little scary. Uh, and so what I was coming to is Logan was already here waiting for me in our brand new house, which we bought and I have never seen before. Yes. And uh, to a uh, brand new job that I did an interview over the phone. Uh, and a brand new church and community who I've never met before. Um, so you can kind of sense my, my nervousness here. And... Um, and the thing was, though, I was going to this brand new place, but I also had to leave something behind, right? I was leaving all of my family. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin. I never moved more than 20 minutes from my home, even for college. And I was uh, leaving all of my friends, everything that was familiar to me, um, a job that was incredible. And, and I, was, I was just leaving that all to go to a place I've never seen. Um, and... And I was a little scared, right? Usually people who go on adventures, they're excited, right? They're happy to get out and to explore the world, but excitement was the last thing on my mind. I was scared. I was nervous. I was fearful. Um, but I think the, the thing that I was feeling the most was that I was sad. I was very sad. And, and I, I found myself asking me these questions like, why? You know, this is not what I pictured my life to be. When I married this guy, I didn't think I would be coming to Texas, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Longhorns. But, <laughs> but why was this happening? You know, this was my life. I really wasn't making this decision. It wasn't for me. Um, and where would I get my cheese curds? I was leaving my cheese curds. Gosh, if you don't know what cheese curds are, you need to figure that out. <laughs> um, but I came across this verse, and it's Matthew 10, 39. And it says, he who found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. <laughs> and so I think what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about surrender. He's talking about losing your life or surrendering your life. But in a lot of cases, we see this word surrender as having this negative connotation. Right? We see surrender as an enemy defeating us, and we're waving the white flag saying, okay, I give up. 
we're saying, I have no other choice. I have no other hope. Um, I'm throwing in the towel. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that when you surrender, you will find your life. Surrendering is saying that this life is not about me, but it's about him. And so what I had to do is I had to set aside my own plans for my own life, and I had to look at what he had for me. And that was hard because I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, <laughs> and so then this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 kind of hits this home for me. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I had to shift my entire perspective of my life, right? When I was going through this, when we were packing up our stuff and making the decision to go to Texas, I was saying, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to go. This is not what I want. So, God, can you just change something, right? Just change something. Can you change Logan's mind? Can you change Russ's mind? Can something just happen that we just don't have to go to Texas? I don't want this to happen. But... I was coming here for a reason. I just didn't know it. And, and so I think when we come into these situations where we don't really want them to happen and we're kind of struggling with that, we ask God to change it, to make it so that it doesn't happen. But a lot of times that's not the prayer we should be asking. Instead, we should be asking him to guide us through it. And so what I should have been praying for is I should have been saying, God, can you just give me some strength? Right? Give me wisdom, give me understanding, give me patience, give me peace so that I can move to Texas and I can come to this amazing place and just live and live for you. But I wasn't doing that and it made it difficult. It made it hard. And so what I needed to do is I needed to trust him. I needed to trust the plan that he had for my life and that that was a lot better than anything I could have ever imagined. Right? I needed to set aside my own plans so that I could come to him and surrender. And so, so how do you trust God? How do you trust him with your life when you don't really know what your future is going to hold? Well, he knows, and he knows what's, good, what's best for you. And so, so I, what I started to do is I started to, to devote myself to him, right? I started to devote my time to him, to be more involved in church, to seek after him first, and and it just started to change me. It started, started to change my, my whole entire outlook on what I was doing here. I started to, to not work hard for myself. I started to, I started to, to work for him, for his kingdom, for, for the plans that he has for me. And, and by, by, through, by doing these things, by working for him and, and giving the glory to him, I started to find more of myself. I found my identity in him. I found more of my gifts that I could use for him. And I started to see my purpose and why I'm here. I am here to give kids love. Love that they might not get when they're at home. And I am blessed with these gifts of being a teacher. So as, as Christians, you know, God calls us to surrender ourselves to, to him. But not to just surrender some of us, but all of us. All of us. And so if you're struggling to surrender something to, to surrender something to God, invite him into that situation. Invite him into that place and ask for patience and ask for strength. 
Because when you allow him to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be, you're going to start to find your life. I did that. All right, you move from where God want, from where you are to where God wants you to be when you say yes. When you say yes, when you doubt. When you say yes, when you have fear. When you say yes, when you don't understand where God is taking you. Because right? when you say yes in these times, God will reveal more about you than you ever thought possible. Four years ago, I had just graduated Bible college. And I had spent a summer in Berlin as a missionary intern uh, when I moved to Texas. Now, on the outside, I had everything, right? I was pursuing God. Uh, he was taking me on this amazing journey to prepare me for the things that he had called me for. But on the inside, I was miserable. I was alone. I was depressed. I was broken, right? I doubted everything about myself. I had such a low opinion. I doubted my gifts. I doubted my abilities. I doubted everything God had told me because I just didn't see it. I thought I was completely unqualified and that I didn't deserve any of the things that God was giving me. And as I look back on my story, I really relate to Gideon. And if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with Gideon, it's uh, a story in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6. Right? And at this time, nothing is going well for Israel. They're being oppressed by their neighbors. Their Midianites are constantly invading. They're stealing their crops every year. And people have abandoned their homes to hide in caves. Right? It's at this point that the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, I am with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says to God, but where have you been? Don't you see what is happening around here? Where is the God that our forefathers have told us about? Where is the God that brought us out of Egypt? But God says, I am with you. Then Gideon says, but I'm the least of my family. My family is the least of our tribe, and our tribe is the least of Israel. I am nothing. But God says, I am with you. Right? Now, I became a Christian when I was 21. And by, by that time, I had a long list of pain, of scars. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that happened to me, you know, to me and things that I just did that were really dumb, you know. And so I had that, I had that list. And so when God started telling me, you know, who I was and what he had called me to do, I didn't believe him. Sure, I said the right words. I put on the mask, right. I knew how to do that well. But I wasn't walking it out. I didn't act as though anything he had told me was true. Then along the way, I made a decision that has changed my life. I decided that no matter what I felt, no matter how much I doubted my own self, I was just going to say yes to everything God put in front of me because honestly, I had nothing else. Right? Gideon makes that same decision after God gives him a sign. And you know, there's no shortage of opportunities around here to say yes to. Right? The first thing I said yes to was pro presenter. And that was, that was a hard yes because I was kind of tired of running tech all the time. And we were, doing, we were holding three services every Sunday in Austin. It's a lot of work. But I had a gift, 
and there was a need. So I said yes. Then I said yes to tag. This is the only ministry that I have actually sought out while I've been here. And because youth was the only thing I had never tried. And it turns out that I had a gift and there was a need, right? And then I said yes to Catalyst. And Catalyst led to One Chapel College. Now, I had graduated a Bible college. I have a degree in biblical studies and I was a licensed minister. I had really good reasons to say no to One Chapel College, right? And I fought it for a little bit, but eventually I decided to obey. And that was, that was a life-changing decision for me. See, in saying yes to One Chapel College, God started to put me in situations where he could reveal his grace, where he could reveal the gifts and the anointings he had placed in me. He put me in situations where I was actually operating in them without even really knowing, right? I didn't have to try. It just all of a sudden was happening, right? And now how many of us have ever said no because we are too busy, right? Pretty much every one of us, right? Well, and, every, and all my One Chapel College graduates can attest to this, but uh, in one, while going to One Chapel College, we were going to class. I was doing homework, you know, all week. I was working 50 hours a week. I was uh, still a leader in TAG. I was going through Catalyst 2 and Catalyst 3, plus co-leading another Bible study, right? And then right when I decided, you know what, I should probably slow it down at some point, Jane Willoughby calls me with an opportunity that was just kind of placed in her lap which led to Bondage Breakers Youth Group. And of course, I couldn't say no to that, right? Guys, I know busy, but I would not be where I am without that season, right? If I was using my own wisdom, I would have said no to One Chapel College. And if I had said no, none of those other opportunities come my way, right? If I said no, then you know, I don't get healing from my past. If I say no, those, those spiritual chains that were wrapping me up for years, they don't break off, right? If I say no, I don't realize that I am qualified because he has chosen me, right? And I identify with Gideon because once Gideon says yes, God asks him to do some difficult things too, right? The first thing is he has to tear down his father's altar of Baal and erect an altar of God. Right now, if you were, if someone told you go destroy the thing your your father possesses or uh, holds most dear, it's probably a scary thought, right? And his village wanted to kill him because of this, but he still did it. And then the Midianites invade Israel again, and Gideon gathers an army of twenty-two thousand. But God says, no. If you go to war with this many people, you will get the glory, and I want everyone to know that I am with you. So through a series of tests, that army of 22,000 gets whittled down to 300. Then they attack the Midianites, and God gives them the victory. See, we all have a past. We all have scars. We all have doubts. But none of that matters because God is with you. Right? And if he is with you, you can do anything and everything that he is asking you to do. For it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. You go from where you are to where God wants you to be by saying yes. Healing, forgiveness, 
redemption, reconciliation are all on the way. So start saying yes and start moving towards your destiny. So good. All right, well, some of you might have heard that there was a pastor um, in California that took his own life last week. Um, he left behind his wife of 10 years and three young boys. This really shook me. This shook me because I believe that he was desperate for some things, desperate for some things to shift in his life. Um, I believe instead of facing the hard road that he had facing right in front of him, that he chose to give up. I believe this is relevant for all of us because we're all going to hit a desperate point in our lives. There's a, it's inevitable that we're going to ha- hit a season where we lose somebody that we love or dreams are taken away from us. And it's at that crossroads where our destiny is defined. When we get desperate for God to do something, if we get desperate for God to do something, he's going to take that desperation and ter- turn it into determination. And that determination opens doors that complacency keeps shut. And the, and the Gospels were told a story of two separate desperate people who are desperate for Jesus to do something. The first is a pastor named Jairus. And he comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet. And he says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She's only 12 years old. But I know if you put your hands on her that she's going to be healed. And Jesus follows him. And they go their their way through a crowd of thousands of people. And they're pushing their way through. And in that same crowd, there's a woman. A woman who's been sick for 12 years with bleeding. And she's been in and out of doctor's offices and hospitals. And there's nothing they can do. In fact, she's just getting worse. And, and she goes and she believes, if I can just touch Jesus' clothes, I'm going to be healed. And that's what she does. She touches Jesus' clothes, and she immediately stops bleeding, and she knows she's healed. And Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples are like, uh, Jesus, hello, thousands of people. What do you mean, who touched you? But he was determined to find who touched him. And she, in fear, drops to his feet and says, Jesus, it was me. I touched you. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. But can you imagine being Jairus in this moment? You think Jesus is right behind you, and you turn around, and he's no longer there. And so you go back to find him, and he's talking to this woman who's telling him her whole story. You're like, Jesus, my daughter, it's an emergency. Hello? What are you doing? And at that moment, there's some people came from Jairus' house, and they, told, and they told him, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But Jesus overhears this, and he says, Jairus, don't be afraid. And they continue on to Jairus' house, and they hear crying and commotion. And Jesus says, why are you crying? This girl is not dead. She's just asleep. And they laugh at his face, and he kicks those haters out of there. He doesn't have time for that. And he takes that father and mother by the hand, and he goes to that little girl, and he puts his hands on her, and he says, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she immediately gets up and starts walking around. And Jesus says, somebody go to Chick-fil-A and get this girl something to eat. And so you see, these two people were connected. Maybe not directly, but indirectly. If this was an episode of This Is Us, this is where we'd flash back 12 years. And we'd be in a hospital. And we'd see a happy father and mother taking out their little girl with all the hope in the world in front of them. And then moments later, we'd see a woman crying, just diagnosed with a disease that she doesn't know if she's ever going to overcome. See, I believe many of us in this room are indirectly connected by God. And Jesus healed them both on that same moment. See, some of you are only here by divine appointment. I know that's the case for me. Ever since I was young, I had this desire to find my purpose. And when I was a teenager, I felt like God called me to the ministry. 
Um, and so I went to one ch- uh, to Christ. I did go to one chapel college, but I also went to Christ for the Nations Bible College for worship. And a few years after that, my husband and I discovered we were pregnant with our first child. And so we moved in with my parents right down the road, and we started coming to this church they were going to. It was called PRF. It was a cute little church. So we start coming, and I start serving on the worship team for the first time in years, and that was awesome. But we still longed for more from God for this church. And so many of you know at that moment that the church hit a crisis. And in that crisis, we were asked to take over the kids and youth ministry, which were um, severely underinvested in at the time. And so as we start to make changes and we see positive change in our students' lives, I knew this was it. This is what I was created to do. Um, and as I was figuring that out, all of a sudden we're told that we're going to be merging with another church, one chapel. And we're actually really excited because we knew that PRF was only scratching the surface spiritually, and one chapel was going to bring more of that. And, uh, but I also had insecurities because I knew that one chapel had resources and people, and we only had so much experience. And after a couple months, our worst fears became a reality when we were replaced. This broke me. I thought this was my calling. I thought I heard God. Was I even making a difference? Um, but I was, also, I was also hopeful. And two months later, we lost our father, my father-in-law unexpectedly. And then now we were desperate. Desperate for some things to shift. Um, but it didn't for a while. My husband was depressed. I was lost. But God wouldn't let me give up. And he made me, he pushed me into my purpose in that storm. And so I signed up for One Chapel College. And that's when we discovered we were pregnant with our son. And God gave us the name Jaden, which means Jehovah has heard. And when he was born, I heard God call me to be a pastor and to love people. And so Jeremiah 29, 11, first I want to say, um, so many of us just throw, up the t- throw in the towel when things get hard. And that's easy to do. Um, but the only way that for God's glory to be fully revealed is if we suffer sometimes. We're supposed to suffer. The Bible says over and over and over again that we will. And so it's when we overcome those things that we see God's glory fully. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and I will be found by you. See, some of you have given up on some dreams, some dreams you've had for a long, long time. But Jesus says, that dream's not dead. It's just asleep. It's time to get up. His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. See, God wants to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. For me, I was desperate, and he moved me into my destiny. Lamentations 3, 19 through 24 says, I'll never forget the trouble. The utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. Oh, I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember that feeling of hitting the bottom. But if there's one thing I remember, and remember I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love cannot have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over again. He's all I got left. Wow, I have to follow that. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, this story that I'm sharing this morning is one that um, has shaped my life and is 
out of a recent season, but it is the journey that God's had me on. And, and what One Chapel does best is take people from where they are to where God wants them to be because they love them when you're fully known. And so this is a story of identity, destiny, and my war for peace. Um, it started when I decided I had to chase after this calling of full-time ministry. Um, college, I had gotten my associates, but I just felt kind of empty, like that wasn't really the direction that God had for me. And so I discovered One Chapel through a friend and uh, joined One Chapel College in 2013. Day one of the church, I met my beautiful wife who I had no idea I would marry until about a year and a half later. Um, and in this journey, I was looking for purpose. I was looking for affirmation. I was looking for all the things that, that I knew God had for me um, here. And so I begin this journey with all of these things on the inside that, that I was so afraid to let out, with all of these things in here that, that I knew if anyone really knew the things that I had done or the things that I had seen or felt that no one would really want me to be a part of this. And so one tag night, um, I got to hear a testimony that began to shift um, the place that I was at. It began to take me from where I was to where God wanted me. Um, there was a war for me. And so a pastor named Nate Emmert began to share his testimony. He was the kids pastor at the time. And he began to speak of something that began to resonate inside of me, something I knew that the Holy Spirit had been working in me for a long time. He began to share of, of the shadow that was in his life, of the hidden place. He, he had been married for uh, so many years and had uh, two beautiful children, and he had been lying to his wife. He had been watching pornography for some years and dealing with sexual brokenness. And, and I remember hearing that, still single, still in a journey, and thinking, that will never be me. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to make sure that people know because I too was in a similar place. I was struggling with pornography. I was dealing with sexual brokenness um, from a young age and I was hiding in my shadow. And it was something that God had decided in that moment that it's time for you to come out. It's time to come out of hiding. And so in that journey, I began to share some with um, some mentors that were close to me, and they began to kind of impart wisdom on their journey and how to come out of this and how to begin to change. And so I was like, all right, this is awesome. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things. You know, you do A and you get to B. Is that how it works, right? Well, that's not always how it works, I'm afraid. <laughs> I began to discover that. And so, so as I was walking this out, um, fast forward a little bit, uh, we started talking in the summer after I graduated One Chapel College, and, and I realized that I wasn't fixed like I thought I was supposed to be. I thought I was supposed to be a little better than this. Um, and so we began to, to talk, and we began dating um, in February, on her birthday, actually, February 14th. And, and it, was, it was, you know, months before then, I knew that I was going to marry this girl. She was everything that God had shown me that I was supposed to have. And so... So we're married now. We had been living in Oklahoma, and, and I realized that I was, I was still hiding on the inside. I was still dying on the inside because, because I was so afraid that I couldn't let out the things that, that were inside of me through shame, through fear, through all the things that the enemy was telling me that I'm not good enough and that she's going to know it and that she's not going to think I'm good enough either. Um, so I shared a little bit, you know, that, hey, this is something, and and thought that that was good, you know, I, I can be better, right? I just you, just, you just stop doing the things that you know you're not supposed to do, and then that's how it works, isn't it? No, again, I thought that's how it worked. 
Um, so I tried so hard to be better. I tried so hard to be the best that I could. And a year into our marriage, um, we had just found out a little bit after that we were expecting our first baby, and my worst nightmare was coming true. I became the thing that I said I never would become. I was hiding. I was still struggling with pornography. I was still struggling with sexual brokenness. And, and I was so full of shame. I was so full of fear. And that's when Jesus became so real. Because one night, I finally began to share. And probably entered one of the darkest seasons um, of my life. But it was only dark because I could finally see it in the light. So I began to share with her, and we began to walk out this journey um, that not only revealed my brokenness, but hers as well. And we began to truly heal for the first time. And I was so afraid that people wouldn't accept who I was, that my wife wouldn't accept who I was. Well, that began to change. I began to walk into freedom. I began to feel like there was something different about this thing inside of me that I was so afraid of. It began to lose its power. And the war for peace, I felt, truly began because, because Jesus came in fully known, and I was fully loved, and I was accepted. So my scripture this morning is Isaiah 26. It's, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. This has been the greatest journey in my life to find this truth. And for a lot of you, you're still in that journey. Well, I want to encourage you to come out of hiding. It's time to light up the darkness. Because you'll never truly step into freedom until the shadow is faced. And when you continue to face that shadow and bring in the people that, that you love most into this journey, then there is nothing that God can and won't do in your life. I begin to face it, and I begin to discover um, the weapons that I had in every season. Thanks and praise begin to be the vehicle that led me out of every dark, every hopeless situation. When we didn't know which way was up or down, when I didn't know which way was um, light or dark, there was times when I thought maybe I should just keep hiding. But God, we continue to work on these things. And I can say now that I feel more free, more alive, more full of Jesus' love than I ever have before. And so... Peace is always with us, because peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And he wants to come and take the things that you're hiding. He wants to take the things that are in your shadow, because there is nothing so broken that when his light hits it, it does not become light. It becomes full life. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that, that you have a season ahead of you. You have a season that you're in right now. Um, there's a shadow in every one of us. We all have it. That's why Jesus came. And the, the Prince of Peace wants to meet you where you're at. And just when you feel like, I can't do it, Lord, I can't. There's no way I could possibly share that. There's no way I could possibly come out of hiding. He's going to come in and he's going to make a way. You just give him permission. And so I want to encourage you. Come out of hiding this morning. It's time to face your shadow. Jesus loves you. Well, this past spring, I went through Catalyst 2, which you just saw a video on, um, and one of the activities that you go through is the discovery of your name. Uh, my birth name's Crystal, and one of the definitions that resonated with me was to be refined through time to become clear and transparent. And that's just what I'm going to try to do today as I talk about how One Chapel has partnered with me and where I am or where I have been to where God ultimately wants me to be. And to do that, I need to talk about two seasons of my life. One, a season of darkness and betrayal, and another, a season of faith. 
many of you know, my amazing husband Josh, he spoke on Father's Day, um, but I was actually previously married to another man coming out of college. We had been together about two years when I started believing a very simple lie about what is okay and not okay to do within relationships and marriage. And this um, ultimately led me to betray him and to pursue a divorce. Uh, I was a professed Christian at the time, and God is very clear on his opinion of divorce, and rightly so. It's a very painful process for everyone involved, your family, your friends, um, obviously the couple. Um, And many of you know that. You've been through a divorce or know of someone that has gone through one. And... um, Coming out of a divorce and and betraying somebody leads to a different kind of pain. There's a lot of shame and condemnation. uh, And to make matters worse, the church I was attending at the time actually mandated that I not participate in communion any longer. So you can imagine I'm now wrestling with, am I even a Christian? How am I capable of choosing these things when I proclaim to have the Holy Spirit within me through Christ? And so... um, I could talk a lot about that season of wrestling um, with myself and with God, but as I was preparing for this, I think Jeremiah 33 really puts it beautifully on what I came to realize. Uh, Israel's going through a time of extreme wickedness and rebellion against the Lord. Um, He actually allows them to go into captivity with their enemy. And um, in verse 6, he states, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. And he goes on to talk about how he's going to cleanse them of all of their sin and rebellion against him. And not only that, but to bring him joy and praise and honor across all of the nations. And this is the God that we love. He has been the one that has provided an answer for us to get out of the sin and rebellion against him. And he's done that since the beginning of time. This is even before Jesus. Um, And so to continue on this season a little bit, I, I do need to fast forward a couple years. So Josh and I are dating. We're engaged to be married. Uh, I had started attending One Chapel Austin to be with him, and we sought counsel from Ross Parsley. And I was very transparent about my past. And, um, you know, he stated, I can't take you back to where you went and, or change what happened. What I can do is take you where you are right now and ensure that you are trusting and walking with Jesus to where he wants you to be. And what this did was remind me of what Jesus fully took to the cross 100%. Um, Isaiah 43:18 actually says, Forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Philippians 3 also talks about this. So forgetting what lies behind, strain towards what is ahead, which is the prize of Christ. Um, and so we've had some wonderful years of marriage. We uh, built a house out here in Sweetwater, and we were thrilled when the Lake Travis campus was started. Um, and to conclude this season, I had mentioned I went through Catalyst. So Catalyst 1, you go through a retreat, a lot of phenomenal sessions, um, and one of them, you're praying through generational curses and, and root spirits in your life. Um, and so as you're surrendering these things, there was just such a cleansing that was coming through. I had realized there were a lot of roots of shame that were still buried deep within my soul that Satan could really tug on at times and rob me of my identity before the Lord. And um, so coming out of this, there was so much freedom. I I decided to get water baptized, uh, and Russ continued to reaffirm Isaiah 43 and Philippians 3. He actually faces you in the direction of focusing on Christ and what's ahead, not on what's behind. Um, And so as we've continued digging in uh, into our faith and and what we're doing, there's a transition of of what originally I was going to say was a testing of our faith, but I think it's been a building of Josh and my faith over these last couple years. Um, 
we have been struggling to conceive. We, it's our heart's desire to have children. And additionally, we have a family member and now a close friend that are struggling um, and battling with cancer. Um, and one chapel and our family and friends have just come in agreement uh, with us in this and, and really digging into what does God say about these things. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Russ asked me to talk about my testimony um, when I also receive a word on testimony this month. Um, testimony in the Hebrew actually means do again. And in Revelation 19.10, it states that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as we know, the prophecy can be the foretelling of the future, but it can also be a word that changes the present or the near future. And so as we talk about our testimonies and recall what he's doing, all of us up here, our transformative journeys and what's in God's word, um, we are releasing that power of what God has done already to do again. He's not a respecter of persons, as it states in Acts. And in Hebrews, he's the same yesterday, today, and in the future. And he is passionate about this. It's actually a commandment in Deuteronomy to do again or to keep the testimonies. Um, but it does take overcoming fear. It takes overcoming doubt. You know, what if this isn't God's will for my life? What, what if he, he doesn't answer or do this for me that he's done for someone else? Um, and there's times I even, I, I want to protect my faith of the fear of being let down. And um, Satan loves that. He also has a plan for your life, and that's to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, and so I'm going to end with Revelation 12. It actually states that they triumphed over him, him being Satan, through the blood of the lamb, so through the reconciliation of what Jesus allowed us to be um, in reconciliation with the Father, as well as through the word of our testimony. And so as we continue, again, to just recall what God is doing in our lives, all the miracles and, and the transformative journeys that he's doing, we know God's character and we know what to expect of him um, and be able to trust him to where he wants us ultimately to be. Come on, give him another round of applause. You know, I love, I love, I love that we do these five by sevens because you hear so many different people's hearts and and one of the things that I feel like happens in church sometimes is, is we come to church and we look up at the pastor and we say oh give me something give me something that will help make my life a little easier over the next six days and then after six days I'll come back for some more um, but I, I really feel like the word of these testimonies I want feel like God wants you to know this, that, that it can happen in your life today. That it can happen right now in this place today. And I, I want you to pull something out of because every single one of these people, every single one of these people faced something and they had to do an action. They had to do an action. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up service here, but these five are going to be up here in the front. And they are here to come alongside of you and agree with the action that's going to happen in your own life. So if any, if any of these stories, which I'm pretty sure we covered, we covered a lot of ground here. If any of these stories clung to you, if they touched you in any sort of way, don't miss this opportunity. Come up here. Tell them that. Tell them good job, but also say, hey, I'm right there. I'm right there. And we'll
will come alongside you, put a hand on you, and pray for you and agree with you. That step is so important. That step is so important. So I just want to give you that invitation. Give you that invitation to come and get prayer. Because we, we don't want to be people who just go through the motions. We want to be people who live a life of joy and of freedom. A life of joy and freedom because that is what God has designed for you. And if you're not there, you can be. You can be. So with that said, these five will be up front. Uh, if you can, if you see them, give them a high five. Tell them they did amazing because they were all absolutely incredible. Otherwise, I hope that you guys, yes, I hope that you guys have a fantastic week. I hope you have a fantastic week. And remember, next Sunday is our fundraiser. So come really, really hungry. It's going to be great food. Invite all of your friends, too. You can tell them there's going to be food. It's going to be awesome. So we'll see you guys next Sunday. And, it, and if, you, if you need prayer, come on up front. So have a good week, you guys.